Welcome to episode 15 of 115 Miles. It's been around four months since the death of George Floyd and we use this episode to look at the impact that the Black Lives Matter movement has had. We look at some of the topical stuff that's come up in the in the news more recently and look at the ways in which people have been impacted by the movement. We take a little bit of a recap and look at where we're at with COVID-19 before going on to the reasons to be cheerful. If you'd like to join the community, then make sure you come and find us on Instagram at 115milespod. And if you haven't done so yet, please make sure you leave us a review on the platform that you're using. And we really hope you enjoy it. This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. Living exactly 115 miles apart, our lives could not have been more different growing up, yet we find ourselves today as really good friends with many similar outlooks and perspectives. Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture and everything in between. <laughs> Did yours work? Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. in. Right. We're in. We're in. Rolling start we're like ro- Daytona. And I was going to come in with a Hassan today. No, that's then... private, man. Don't, 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 don't bring that to the public. All right. Sorry, mate. For anyone that wants to know, that's how I normally answer the phone to Hass. Sung in the style of uh, Sting. Sting. Yeah. And then Hass always comes back and spits a few bars at me, doesn't you? That's not happening now. <laughs> The stuff that's for behind closed doors, man. <laughs> uh, so, Hass, it's been a couple of weeks, mate. Uh, I'm not going to ask you how you are because Noah says we're not allowed to do that. So, I'm going to ask you to tell me something that you've struggled with in the last two weeks. Oh, man. You're bringing it big. Uh, what have I struggled with in the last two weeks? L- okay, last week was intense work-wise. And uh, uh, we ran four workshops in five days. And, um, you know, challenging, you know, challenging to get to where we get to. I think the thing about Krisham is um, we get really, um, you know, we're, we're really uh, connected to the outcome for, you know, our partners that we work with. So uh, if it doesn't quite get to where we want to get to, it's, I, f- I take that on as well. So I took, I took that on, um, but I was just tired. You know, I was really exhausted because, you know, it's, it's not only last week, it's, it's the week before and prepping for it and things like that. So, um, but you know, uh, and I was ready to go in to do some more work at the weekend just to catch up. And Chris, actually, um, my business partner, who you know, but maybe some of our listeners don't know, um, he he actually insisted that I just took the weekend off, and I did, and I feel much better for it this week. So uh, that's a good. good reminder. I always kind of preach about taking rest time. I don't always do it myself, so that was good. Uh, so uh, yes, those struggle are maybe. They, are they online? The workshops. Uh, yeah. 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 How long are they each day? Uh, well, uh, we did a few where we, I mean, you, we did, we break the Zoom up into sessions. So we had one day where we had basically three, two and a half, two and a half hour sessions. And then, you know, we had, do some you find sort of it, follow-ups. do you find it, um, more tiring delivering online than in person? In a way, yeah. I think also it's not just about us. It's about who's in the room as well. And you can just tell that, you know, by the end of it, you know, by the end of a session, it's people are just, you know, fried. So we do try and, you know, we try and mix it up and, you know, give people breaks and things like that. But it's just not the same as being able to kind of be in, in the space and in the room and be able to pick up like body language and, you know, in the same way. But yeah. we're making it work, you know, like it is the reality we're facing at the moment. And, uh, I think it's working pretty well. We're using a few really good uh, kind of tools as well as Zoom to, to, to make that work. So that's yeah, you, good. you have to find ways, I find, because like one of the things that delivering in person is like you've just said, you know the energy of the room, don't you? So you kind of know if, particularly with the stuff I do as well, which is always like deep internal work often, yeah, I know, what I can sense when the room's like feeling it a bit heavy. So I know to bring it back, I don't know, maybe make a couple of jokes or go, do you know what, let's, grab a coffee, come back in two minutes. But when you're sort of online, it's a bit harder, isn't it? And you, and I feel up against it a little bit online sometimes to, I don't know, keep that engagement going because it's easier to get bored sat in front of a screen, isn't it, than it is being in a room. I think you'd have to work harder in that sense. 
Yeah, and you know, you can get away with things that you probably wouldn't in a room. Like, for example, you're looking at your phone or you're answering an email or something like that. And that's just, you know, it's, it's not always being rude. It's multitasking and you've got lots on your plate. I even do it myself. Sometimes I, I recognize that. I think um, the thing that's really hard to manage is when you've got half of your group on screen and half of the group are not on screen. Yeah. And you can't insist, you know, you cannot insist on people, you know, showing up. And being on screen because of you know all the reasons we talked about around kind of private space and yeah. not wanting to do that the whole time. But when you're trying to build some group dynamic, it's it's really difficult. So we we requested rather than insisted uh, a few times last week, and that that did make a difference. I would say when when actually you know pe- people can kind of see each other and, and having conversations, it's a bit more reflective of what you would do. Yeah, on, as a work, on a work, especially if you put the grid up, you know, when like you put the, the you go yeah. to that grid view so you can see yeah. people's faces, so you get some of the cues. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. So other than other than that, has it been a good good couple of weeks? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm you know, I think struggle is a big word for me. I just found you know, I found energy was you know was was the hardest thing to kind of manage. But other than that, pretty good. How about you? Yeah, similar, similar to similar to you in terms of it's been, I've had like a really busy, I'm in the midst of like a really busy three weeks and it's just making sure that I uh, find that, that downtime, listen to my, my own advice and stuff like that. Um, and just making sure I remember the things that, the ways in which I recharge, you know, because it's easy to, even when you think you're doing the kind of relaxing stuff is that kind of, re, you know, is it is it what you do to recharge? Because sometimes I can switch off of work, but just switch my mind onto something else. Mm. And I'll say I'm in downtime, but I'm not. I'm just flat out busy thinking about something else. You know, I get, my busyness tends to happen in my mind more than anything. Yeah. Which is like really important. So I can say I'm sat down, so I'm relaxing. But if my, if my head's going, it's no different to being sat down in front of the laptop. So... Yeah, it's uh, it's about staying on top of that, but the weather's been lovely, isn't it? Which is yeah, been it's turning. Very, I think it's turning in the very, next. All right, I think mate. it's turning tomorrow, mate. All right, Sorry, pessimist. Yeah, just, <laughs> just saying. When you ask me in two weeks' time, what's 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 been troubling me? I'll say the weather. <laughs> the weather's been crap. I'm just going into the future. Uh, yeah, all right. Enjoy it today. Enjoy it today. Oh, well, I'm not going to get out in it today because I'm in the office all day. So, but I am back, I'm back on the road. I've been back on the road as well. So I did some in person. Like David Brent. <laughs> I did, uh, I did some in-person delivery last week. How was that? Well, yeah, it was good. It was the second lot I've done. So I'd done some a few weeks ago. I, I don't know if I told you this. I had to do, I did a two hour workshop like four weeks ago and I had to wear my mask for the whole thing. Like oh, Really? Yeah, like literally talking, delivering. Everyone had to wear a mask the whole time. So it was, was that, right was at that the a beginning. Bit of a, was it a small space or was it overkill? Well, there was it. It was thirty-five people in each one, so I did it twice. Wow. Okay. But so but that, oh, I, I sorry, you're asking. You to, should yeah. I have needed the mask? I was way. I was wow within two meters of people, but they might have just seen me deliver before and know that I'm a bit loud and. Do you know what you should get though? You should probably invest in one of those. Like full on visor things. Uh, that's what Chris said to me. I'm not wearing one of them, mate. He's what? got one. <laughs> He's got one, has he? Yeah. yeah. That's what he said to me. But I think it would all steam up. And it would, like, I'd need window wipers on the inside, the way I talk <laughs> when I get a bit more. <laughs> it would just be, it would yeah. be horrible in there, mate. Yeah. I'd be like, Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's good sound effects. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Anyway, so today, uh, for I think the first thing that I wanted to get into today, I think is about time that we uh, discussed it again, seeing as it's, you know, kind of been a big thing since probably the beginning of our podcast. And that's everything that's coming with the, the Black Lives Matter movement. Okay. Um, so I want to start by the way I w- like to make it a little bit interesting. The way I want to start is by asking, no, giving you an, a, a, a statement. And we'll just pick it apart. Now, the statement is not one necessarily that I believe, but I think it would just create a good conversation. So the statement that I want to start with is that since um, the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement, so after what happened with George Floyd, uh, racism 
I'm talking in Western society. Racism has got worse. So the statement is that the Black Lives, the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement has made the racism situation worse. Uh, you, your statement was, has gotten worse or it's made the situation it's, worse? It's made the situation worse. Um, what do you want me to do? Respond to that. I want you to respond to it, yeah. Uh, I don't think, you know, I don't, I don't, the situation can't really get much worse. Mm. It's just emboldened people to 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 speak their views yeah more as a counter you know so um it's just brought what is a lot of has always been quite tacit or behind closed doors those sorts of views um uh to the fore and it's it's emboldened people almost as a response um to uh you know they feel it's a it's a needed response to what's going on um yeah. i don't think it's made um, i mean i don't know this is my personal view i don't know that it's made uh more people racist but i do i'd i'd be curious to know if uh uh cr- you know crimes you know, uh, race hate crimes have gone up as a result of what's been going on i'd be curious i don't, i mean I, I suspect that this probably has gone up yeah, I'd be I'd be curious of that as well, and I'd be curious how much of the the data from that would be that people now feel like they know what a hate crime is, and when they experience racial abuse on a certain level, that they'd be able to now report it, and and, and perhaps before what we've seen might have just thought that it was part of the way that it is, but then also the rise of racism. So, um, obviously, I. I just said the statement because I thought it was a challenging. I thought it was a challenging statement. Um, I like. I think that there has been a lot of kind of good that's come out of it, and that it has started um, conversations that are needed, and it's brought conversations to the forefront. But I do think there is that darker side of 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 this as well, which is that it's almost given confidence to people to sort of. Um, casually out themselves as being racist and yeah. but, but 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 not even um but not even i don't even think they know they're outing themselves as being racist right i think like a lot of like the black lives matter movement there was a shift towards at some point there was a shift towards it being called a political movement right so rather than it being like this humanitarian thing that's about you know, humanity and, and the way that we treat each other as humans, it became like supporting it was a political statement. And then so to be a bit racist was just to be on the opposite political party, on the opposite political side. Do you know what I mean? Do, do, mm. do, 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 mm. do you know what I'm getting at there? Mm. And then so it kind of made like uh, being racist like just a like a political thing like i'm just of the political beliefs that black people should shut up is what is a kind of narrative that was being normalized i feel like it's being normalized and actually it it brings on to one of the things that happened so it was may 25th by the way that george floyd was uh killed may 25th and by the way that that i i googled that before that's why i know it so it's nearly four months right um the, the, the thing with diversity, the reason I'm coming on to this is because uh, there was 20... Diversity did the dance thing. Have you seen the dance? Yeah. Did you watch yeah. it? Did you watch it when it yeah. happened? I watched. I didn't watch it live. I watched it after when I saw that there were like thousands and thousands of uh, Ofcom complaints or something like that. And I just, yeah. So I saw the complaints and I, and I did the same. And when I watched yeah. it and thought, they've obviously gone in here. And... When I watched it, I know a lot of people are saying it was really powerful. I mean, I thought it was a good, it was a good powerful statement, but I didn't actually think it was that. Uh, like I was expecting to see some like real uh, outrageous stuff, or not outrageous, but you know, some real like powerful statements. I mean, I know they did the the the, the kneeling, they did that scene, 
But other than that, I just thought it was a dance routine that supported the movement. I don't yeah. know. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, no, I, 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 I know what you're pointing to. It, it's, when you saw the level of complaints, you thought it was going to be um, uh, so, uh, so kind of exaggerated in its kind of in its support of the movement that it was kind of politicizing you know incredibly like a prime time slot um and actually you know i thought it was incredible and i think you know like the story behind it was uh was incredible and and, and the choreography and all of that was fantastic but yeah i think it was a just it was a it was in in the same way that um you know dance tells stories uh, yeah you know, like, uh, in you know, f- in in kind of other shows, like it's the, it's the same thing. Like, you if you kind of have a problem with that, then you've got to have a problem with a lot of the stuff that is revered as classics. You know, um, certain operas or you know, War of the Roses that ran for years and years on uh, you know on Broadway. You know, like it's it's always talking about politics. You know, Wait, so what? What? Like, I I did some googling this morning, right? to try and find out what the complaints were about. Mm-hmm. And I still can't fully, I genuinely can't fully understand. So the, the the main thing that I feel like it is, is because they're saying it was political. Is that what they're saying? Uh, yeah, I reckon it's bringing, you know, it's bringing, you know, a political uh, topic into a primetime TV show. But that you pisses know, me off, it. man. It's not political though, is it? What's political about it? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not one of the people that complained, well, yeah, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't you're know. You're not one I of the twenty five thousand, are you? No. Yeah, I don't know what 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 offended people to to such a degree. Um, uh, I you know. So look, if we say that they're offended because it was bit, bit, like a family TV show, uh, prime time on a Saturday night, and they were bringing politics to it, right? Let's that seems to be what these twenty five thousand idiots have done right the question i want to ask is what's political about it what makes it political what what uh, uh, and like i know you don't think it's political but what is their standpoint of you know black lives mattering what how is that where have we got to this point that's political i mean I, i don't know whether it was it was the uh it was the kind of uh, it was the embodiment of what everyone knew led to a death. It was a it was kind of probably indicating a view that there is police brutality, um, which is a you know which is a perspective on one side of you know as we say this argument. Okay, um, yeah. I'm speculating here, and and then I, I guess you know it might be that parents are probably kind of getting on their you know are getting on their kind of parent vibe you know their parent tip which is you know i didn't want my kid to see this i didn't want to expose my kid to it or this is a family show Mm. i don't know you know i mean i I would you know we watched it we watched we watched it all as a family because i wanted them to see it so i have a different view i mean i'm raising my kids differently i I just don't know to be honest i i mean i'm just so surprised at the numbers because i don't know Again, we should probably just check this out for next time. But um, where does that sit in in the kind of the most complained about? I feel that's oh, probably no, it quite was, high. It was one of the most. I think it's the most about. complained about in the last. I'm going to say ten years, but it was. It it might be longer than that. It might have been fifteen, but it it's a, it's a long period of time that that's the highest complaints that ITV. I don't know if it's ITV or, or Ofcom or whatever have seen. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's high. It's very high. I'm curious to know what's what's after it. You know, um, I'm going to Google it while we're um, uh, so while we're talking. So we, there may be this parent thing here, right? And what you've t- talked about there, that 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 parent thing, that kind of epitomizes, right? That epitomizes privilege, doesn't it? Like, sure does. I want my family to stay ignorant to what's going on. Surely that's not what happened. That's not why people are complaining. Well, I think you might be right, but it, 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 it. So, you know, the, the, the nearest thing, and this is from 2019, that got people riled was celebrity, an episode on Celebrity Big Brother. 
right? And that was 25,000. So this was... What uh, happened on Big Brother? Uh, Roxanne. Oh, <laughs> this is where Roxanne, uh, Pallet and Ryan Thomas were at the centre of a scandal where she was basically accusing him of assaulting her. And it was it was exaggerated. I feel stupid even talking about it. And, the, and then, <laughs> and then the next about, one, but then the next one was eight thousand complaints for a, a scrap on loose women. Like people complain about stupid crap, um, yeah. you know. So, look, you got to think one thing: the people that can be bothered to complain to Ofcom about something they saw on TV, to me, indicates the kind of people that might complain to Ofcom uh, about something on TV. You know, yeah. like most of us have got more important things to be doing with our lives. You look at it and go, okay, that wasn't good. Or yeah. I didn't like that. Uh, and then you move on with your life. Whereas yeah. 25,000 people probably vote in a particular way, <laughs> have, you know, strong views and they yeah. made it known. This is what we talk about. This is what you're talking about. This is how, you know, people are just emboldened to kind of do something because they like so, they look at that and go, I hate that. I don't want that. I'm not standing for it. So I'm going to go the other way. But, you know, it happens. It happens. You know, we've talked about this before. For every one side, there's always an opposite an opposite side. For yeah. every Tory supporter, there's a Labour supporter. For every uh, Remainer, there's a Brexiteer. For every, uh, you know, uh, vax, vaccination support, there's an anti-vaxxer. For every one that um, yeah. thinks we should be wearing a mask, there's people that don't. It's just like people do not like movements and they want to challenge it. You know, it's always going to be the way, unfortunately. Yeah, which is, which is, uh, which is frustrating, which is frustrating. Uh, one of the other things that's happened in the, in the, in the, in the time that, um, well, since the last time we spoke about this, probably this is probably more to do with the fact that we had a, we had the break in August. Yeah. Uh, but Jacob Blake was shot seven times in the back in America by a police officer. Um, I think the first thing that I should start by saying is that I had to, this morning before this, I had to Google man shot seven times by police officer because I didn't know his name. Um, I know there were huge protests in that area, but it didn't seem to send the same, uh, the, the kind of same ripples as, as what happened to George Floyd, which by the way, is worth me highlighting some of the stuff that I saw on like LinkedIn when people were talking about um, the diversity thing is how much like so somebody i saw somebody mention that why are we so uproared about one particular death right and you see i don't know if you've seen any of these other things that are floating about on social media someone will like post a picture of somebody that's been killed and they'll be like where's the uproar where's the protests and it'll like it's normally they normally use a child that's been killed or something like that so a lot of people and i don't know if they're purposely just being thick or or what it is, but there's a lot of people that are that still think the protests were literally just about a man being killed by the police, and I don't I, I don't know if they're p just purposely being ignorant, like I said, um, or if a lot of people still actually are not educated enough to know that this is like way more. This is, you know, this, that was that 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 was the tipping point. I don't think people do realize that, do they? I think it's a bit of ignorance. Um... But also, um, it's because people just don't, you know, they don't want to give it any fuel. You know, they don't want to, they don't want to give it any credence. They don't want to basically uh, allow it to kind of grow. Um, but you know, the thing about um, you know George Floyd and any kind of moment, like it was, you know, I was talking to Aaron um, the other day about do you remember when uh, there were lots of you know there was a lot of media coverage around refugees that were you know families that were fleeing Syria getting in boats and I remember um, there was this image of this three-year-old kid that had been a boy that had been washed up on the shore and yeah, he was that. lying face down and that was another moment right but then it sort of goes down and I think um, what, what happens is it takes a tiny spark uh, to make something catch fire, you know, um, mm. in terms of social activity, because 
it's fervent, it's ready for it. And so that little spark, you know, um, makes it happen. So I think, you know, what happened with George Floyd was basically it was already like it was already tense because there was a growing awareness uh, outside of the black community like we were seeing it oh there's another death there's another situation and Mm. it was just the one that kind of it was just the one that made it happen and then I think the other thing was it was just the brutality of it is it was a brutality of a man in 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 daylight begging for his life he was begging for his life and he basically got murdered That, that you know that's that's why it was that um uh i don't know why uh the jacob blake uh thing uh situation you know hasn't you know hasn't kind of caused the same level of conversation and uh protestation um but i think it's it's you know it's you know because people do retreat back to their you know back to their safe space um and we've talked about that you know we've we've sort of even we have to hand, uh, hold our hands up as well ourselves. You know, we mm. it, we we were so passionate about it. It, it. You know, we talked about it all the time, and then you know, uh, you know, then you just you know, life gets back in in the way of you know your activity, and um, it's easy for us, you know, uh, to just carry on. It's it's but it's real and and daily struggle for for a lot of people in the world and it doesn't just go away because the news stops reporting it. Mm. Do you, on that, and this is, I guess this is, this is probably one of the difficult questions to ask, but what, what more do you feel as people we could be doing? You know, like you say, like, cause I agree with you. Like I've, I've sort of, um, it's not as big on my agenda as it was when at the beginning, just after the 25th of May when it happened. Right. And I did a lot of sort of talking about it. Um, and I, th- there's things that I still feel that I am doing. So I will call out, um, passive racism in, in when I'm in groups and I've done that. Um, I play football for example. So that th- there's times when it sort of shows up there. Uh, and I've done it and I've called it out and had some awkward conversations and, and sort of uh, debated with people around that. Um, I don't run a massive business with loads of people where I could start saying like, you know, have I got, you know, enough people in certain positions? So, I mean, I don't know, like, is there things that come to your head that you think you can do? I, I, I've heard the term white splaining coming up as well. So I kind of feel sometimes when I try and I get this worry in the back of my head that I am, uh, I'm not worried. That's your privilege. You worrying about how your sound is your privilege. No, I'm not worried, not worried about how I'll sound. So it's slightly different to getting it wrong. I've reached a place where I'm quite happy to be ignorant because I'm very clear with my intentions. So if I say something and, and somebody says to me, actually, that's a bit of your uh privilege coming out or actually what you've said there isn't correct i'm happy with that because i'm i feel i've got enough about me to make the change but there is a part of me that worries about being um a white man uh i'm trying to how can i explain this you know what we did as white people the way that we uh portrayed africa for so many years that we send loads of privileged white people over to Africa to feed the starving children. And when I was growing up, that was the only message I was fed about Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That was all I knew about Africa as a kid was on, is it red nose day when I see white privileged people over there saving these young uh, black children. So there's a bit of me that feels like if I start chatting too much in that way, then am I taking on that, kind of role where it be it, it do you know what i mean if if i look at me handing your power back look at me giving you some power back do you know what i mean which in and of itself is an act of yeah but that is the privilege like because yeah like, like the, the fact that you can even have have the conversation i think be be wrong and be be called out and then deal with it and shift and, then and deal adapt with it, yeah rather than worry too much about it. and look i'm not having to go at you i just think i know you're not no no, no, no what, but it's what, the difficult what, conversations yeah. what can we what can we do um i think it's not just something that we can get to 
like being really candid, it's not something you can just get to when it's convenient for you. That's the thing. That's a big. That's a big shift. And when when you got a lot going on, um, you have to like make time to do it consistently. Uh, and when I say so, do it is be in support, um, uh, champion the cause, learn. Um, you know the way that I do it is I I you know I do. I do advise, I do help, I, uh, uh, you know, clients who are on journeys themselves and keep them and hold them to account with doing some work with lots of different clients around how they can, uh, how they can bring um, diversity and quality and inclusion practices in, you know, to, to, to act differently. Um, but I think that there's sort of what I do at, a, you know, a corporate business level. And then there's what I do at a personal level. Um, and I think there's, I'm I still, I'm not ready to answer it because I know that I need to, I know that I want and need to do more. Mm. Um, and I think everyone understands that, uh, for themselves as well, you know, that like, you know, we all got, we all got rightly, um, involved post, uh, post kind of May and lots of businesses, you know, came out with their support and then everything's kind of gone back to let's survive through covid you know from a business perspective so you know i'm not i'm no better in a way than than the people are called than the companies are called out unless i do you know unless i do more like i'm doing some but i need to do more that's just a personal mission i I need to and i think there's always time to do more but we like we're willing to have these conversations as well which i think is like you know that's that's something right yeah no, for sure, and and more of it, and we get and we, and we just you know we we always promised at least to keep having the conversation, and if we keep admitting where we're not uh, where we're not uh, being our best self in this area, then it holds us to account at least, and other people then it holds us to, us to account. account. Yeah. Let me let yeah. me ask you a question. I just saw it yesterday. Um, it was about Les Ferdinand. Did you oh, see I, this? I was just about to go here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay, okay, okay. All right, so. I just picked up on the on the news yesterday that Les Ferdinand says that you know taking the knee in support of Black Lives Matter has sort of become a bit like a fashionable hashtag, and it's not going to bring change. Uh, so they're they're not going to be doing it anymore. What what do you think about that? Yeah, because QPR refused to take they they refused to take the knee, didn't they? Yeah, and I, you know I um I'd started to have similar thoughts about. Uh, the, the taking the knee. So his exact quote, because I wrote it down, because I thought it was really powerful. Some of the things that he said. Um, he said the message has been lost, and it's no different to a fancy hashtag or a nice pin badge. And uh, I thought that right that the the, the whole like, just to add, he says taking the knee will not bring about change in the game. Yeah. Actions, Actions will. will. Yeah. So, and in his full statement, he did say, um, taking the knee uh, when it first came about was a very powerful statement, right? That that, that helped to create conversation and bring change. I'm paraphrasing. Um, he said, but like powerful statements, uh, like many powerful statements, it's now run its course. Much like he compared it to clapping for... Um, the NHS and key workers at the beginning, right? After like 10 weeks, it sort of ran its course and now it's like, what can we do to support them? So uh, I think he's right. I think he's right. And I think, um, because the Premier League also, by the way, have stopped, they don't, they haven't got Black Lives Matter on the shirts anymore. They've opted to not have it. Um, I think they're still having some statement uh, about, kicking racism out or whatever it may be. Um, but Les Ferdinand's always been very way since way before this, he's been, you know, massive on this in football. So uh, I agree with him. I think it has run its course, the taking the knee. Um, I think it almost becomes a, I want to say cringeworthy. It's felt a little bit cringeworthy watching it. Um, um, I think it's almost, it. yeah, it's almost become a bit like uh, the, the one minute silence, you know, before, uh, uh, before a game, like, you know, to, to, to commemorate something, it's almost like, Oh, well, let's just get through this and get into the game, you know? And, yeah. um, I think, uh, you know, what's powerful say for Remembrance Sunday is it, it's always re- related to a cause and it happens at the same time and 
Um, and you can kind of see that it resonates for a, a lot of people ar- ar- around the ground. Um, I think what you can see is that a lot of people are just doing it now. You know, like there's no, there's no, uh, there's no real commitment to why they're doing it. It's just if you don't do it, you stand out. So let's just do it. You know what I mean? Let's if just you, get you, the, you, yeah. But I think in America it's different in a way because in America it's it's the you know the reason that Colin Kaepernick did it was because he didn't feel he could do what they do, which was to kind of embrace, you know, the national anthem and the flag, right? And so it, it means something much stronger in the US because it's a, it's a, it's a sign that I'm not, ri- I'm not going to do what we do before all games, which is pledge allegiance and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. I, think, I think it's different in the States than it is here. Um, yeah, I, 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 I I'm not sure that, you know, just to just to stop doing it without replacing it with actions or something else just it it becomes out of sight out of mind at least if people are still doing it if there's a commitment to it from the teams then you're still having a conversation if people just stop doing it i'm not I'm, i think you're right in that it's sort of it's lost its power in the same way as when you know when when it first started happening around the premier league teams and stuff yeah but they they so they're not uh they're not going to QPR are not going to stop it, are they? Um, they're not. Sorry, they're going to stop taking the knee, but they are going to take action. I'm just getting it because I had his. Um, he said that taking of the knee has reached a point of good PR, but little more than that. The message has been lost. It's now not dissimilar to a fancy hashtag or pin badge. Uh, what are our plans with this? Will people be happy for players to take the knee for the next ten years, but see actual no progress made? Um, so QPR support causing actions. Um, they'll continue to support not just our players, but all players who believe in greater social Great, equality. But you know, I'd love for him to be more specific. You know, if you're yeah, going to make, if you're going to go for it, then say this is what we're going to do as a club. And I'm not sure that he's done. It. He said we'll just continue to support. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to say that he hasn't. By the way, I don't want to say that he's not. Uh, well, I'm just, you know, I, I mean, what I've, what I've seen is a very strong statement, which I think he's right. But then, you know, if you're going to say that we're not going to do it, then you can't just come out with a, you know, a really bland response in about how you're going to continue to support. You've got to be really specific. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. And I would hope that he's done that. And I don't, I, the only, I just don't know whether he has or not. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's just worth highlighting that. And I, I'll, I'll check it out actually. Uh, because I know that he's been, he's always done a lot. Um, Les Ferdinand's done a lot for getting um, black people into management as well. So he's always like been very, very big on that kind of uh, a thing within football and actually not just management, but getting him into to, to high places of, of coaching as well. Great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. They were the key things that, that, that I'd sort of picked up when I was sort of looking at maybe some of the things that we needed to cover in terms of, you know, just as a podcast, our commitment to have the discussions. So, what um, are you what are you hearing in companies now about what they're doing around this topic? Are you hearing much? Uh, nothing. Oh, really? Nothing. But although, 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 I can't, um, I can't, you know, sort of say that I've been actively looking within companies. Um. But then, you know, there's something in that as well, because back in May, I didn't have to look. Companies were screaming it in my face that they were going to be doing something, right? So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, what, what Have you seen anything? Is there anything of note that you... Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. uh, certainly the ones that uh, we work with are, you know, are really still committed to it, driving proper change, you know, taking actions, being inclusive in... In, in in kind of groups they bring together um you know uh, focused on the future make you know making change understanding that you know it's a journey not everything's going to happen overnight mm. um some are doing more than others you know i'm imo- i'm involved more with some than others but you know just recently uh i do some particular coaching and uh, and leadership work with one client they've asked me to get involved in helping them have conversations around how to drive change in this area so actually, they are they are moving in that space. So it's it's not going away. And you know why it's not going away? Because it's not just a PR exercise. You know, people. It's important to employees within the company. Generation Z, Generation uh, Millennials. 
um, you know, X, you know, people like us, you know, are are sick of it being the way it was and things need to change. And that's what's drive. That's what's going to stop it from just, you know, getting swept under the carpet. Yeah, that's good. And it's good that you're seeing it. I mean, I don't, I, I wouldn't, I don't, I probably don't work with organizations. On you're not as involved would, in it as, uh, yeah, uh, where yeah, I would see the work. change. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, but no, it's good that you're seeing it. Um, I what guess I'd love we, you to do though, um, is you have a lot of good relationships with HR people. Just, yeah. just, because of our podcast why don't you just get a bit curious about it and say hey look what's going on what you're learning anything you know i can take back on my podcast as a as a share or something like that you know that's another action we can take is which is just sharing what companies are doing um, yeah that we find this interesting i'll do the same yeah using the platform that's a good shout yeah and we should hold ourselves to that yeah um I guess before we get to the reasons to be cheerful, because we've got a little bit of time, it's worth just touching on, uh, sparing a moment. Uh, there's a there's going to be where we're at with with, with COVID within uh, society at the moment, because it looks like there's going to be another announcement tonight. They've just uh, they've just announced that you can't go to the pub after ten o'clock now. What? How do you feel about how the government have sort of handled it up until this point? Shambolic. <laughs> Uh, Do you think it's been shambolic? You, yeah. you, you're leading me up to that one. No, I think... <laughs> <laughs> Let's bash Boris for 10 uh, minutes no, before we get... No, 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 I'm joking. no, no. I think I'm they're joking. all complicit. You know, how can you go from... Uh, if if Look, this isn't a surprise, right? We know that this is, this is a highly contagious uh, uh, um, virus, right? Yeah. So in the summer, we basically said pretty much live life as normal not only that we said we we actually pushed you pushed us towards restaurants and to basically mingle and to drink and to eat and and just basically go for it we we we're basically we were we were incentivized to go and uh, yeah. stir the petri dish up right <laughs> right and and then in august right and then in september guess what the virus is 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 growing at a rate of knots and now we've got all this language around, you know, you're going to get fined £10,000, uh, these lockdowns. Like, I just think it is absolutely ridiculous. And they need I to think be they're very account. good. I think they're very good at blaming us and, 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 and yeah. setting us up to blame one another. Yeah. However, I would sort of uh, give some balance to what's being said, right? At some point, we have to start thinking about the economy, right? And I know the rules have changed massively, as in, like, August, it was like, go out and spend your money. Uh, and then, like, September, it's like, sh- don't go out, stay in, right? Or whatever it's going to be, whatever it's changing to. <coughs> there is a little bit of, like, having to get people out spending their money, right? There is a little bit of that. I mean, like one of the things I that really worries me is we're gonna we're gonna lose some football clubs, right? Some football clubs are gonna go under. That will happen yeah. unless the government gives them some money. It will happen, right? Yeah. Now it's easy to just go, yeah. There's lots of things worse to worry about than football, but when you take like a club like the team that I support, Swindon, right? It's more than just more than just a football club, right? It's more but than it is, a game. It's, it's more than a game, right? But it's not, I mean, it is the central of the community, right? It's a central part of the community. It is some people's very community, right? Some people's only chance in their lives of being part of something, right? And and having that connection is when they go to football on a Saturday. You know, I know a lad, um, Lee, who runs like, um, like the disability section of the Swindon Town Football Club and he and he gets all of those, you know, the people that are struggling in different ways and he gets them to football and it's a massive part of their lives. And football's just one example of where that's, we're going to lose that. I don't know if Swindon will be one of the clubs, but there's a very good chance that we will be. I'm worried about that as well, but that's not the point we're talking about. I'm talking, you asked me about the government and how they've handled it. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I'm, not saying yeah, don't, no, like, I'm not saying don't encourage or stimulate the economy. I'm saying... uh it should have been done in a more strategic way. It's a oh, bit definitely. like the. It's a bit like, you know, let's do this. Okay, uh, let's do this now. You know, like, like if you want to stimulate the economy, there are more ways to do it than just basically pushing everyone towards 
restaurants and mingling together. If you want to find ways to stimulate the economy, um, don't do it where everyone just rushes on three days in the week, right? Have it over <laughs> the whole week and have guidelines in place that have a minimum, uh, you know, you know, a, a maximum number of people that you can have, right? Do it properly and do it over a longer period. Like that in August definitely gave a spike to the economy, but loads of restaurants are going to go under because what happened was it got spiked and then people stopped going to the restaurants. Then it so dropped, I get, yeah. Some, I, I get what the... you're saying, but it's got to be more long-term. And then you can't expect that those actions not to lead to consequences. Yeah. So yeah, I no, don't I... buy it, mate. Sorry. Good. Good. Would you buy it if you got temps 50% off after every te- mate, after 10 pounds? Straight, straight in there. No, but like, <laughs> no, the point is, you know, if you want to stimulate the economy, uh, you... And you have to, yeah. You got to, you got to do, you got to think ways to support uh, long term kind of um, long term activity rather than just these these spikes. Now, my my intuition is that they were they're expecting a bad winter, and so they wanted to spike the economy a little bit just to get a little bit of you know cash Money. being spent um, yeah. because it's going to be pretty pretty long winter, I would say. Yeah, and I do think what epitomised how wrong they've got it was watching a, a a Tory government beg young people to do what they want them to do. Imagine being 20 years old now and having grown up your whole childhood, grown up under a government that just simultaneously just eradicated all funding and completely um, avoided any of your needs. And now all of a sudden there's a virus that won't harm you directly necessarily broadly speaking any more than anything else will uh and having a government beg you to not do anything yeah i mean i think uh you know when i was 20 or 18 i didn't really think about how tough my life was as a kid uh growing up you only thought, I thought about but did you think about the tory government uh probably not until i was uh, you know old enough yeah. not, not in my first you know 10, 12 years. It was a long time ago, though, so it's probably hard to remember. You're not that far off, mate. <laughs> right, before we spiral into an argument, uh, let's go to the reasons to be cheerful. <laughs> um, I'm going to let you go first this week. Reasons to be cheerful are um, closing loops. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I just always like to do that, just to put you on the spot. Uh, your your mind's whirring now for a title, isn't it? You were, you forgot <laughs> to get a title. Anyway, uh, we have been uh, really busy spinning a lot of plates, like a lot of people. So no, there's nothing special about that. But um, we've been working on a uh, a digital uh, training product called the Maverick Managers Toolkit. I'm not plugging it here. I'm just I'm just saying you that's what we've been working. Plugging it. This one, your reason to be cheerful yeah. should have been called yeah. something yeah. plugs. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's been hard, you know, trying to do that and do all the other things. So we're really like, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're down to the final edits and build and we'll be launching in, in a couple of weeks. And I'm really proud of us for doing it because it, um, you know, it's a really, really good thing and uh, looking forward to kind of that getting in the world. So that's my reason to be cheerful. And you're literally that close to launching it, like two Very weeks? Very close. Yeah, a couple of weeks. So your reasons to be cheerful next week will be... Uh... Wonga. No, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, no it'll, be, it'll be out. No, it'll be out in the world. Something launch. Yeah, something beginning be. with L. Lifetime launches or something. Leave the titles so, to me, mate. Something <laughs> melty like that. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, give us your title. Uh, so mine is f- uh, fam- f- uh, fun family, fun family frolicking. <laughs> Brilliant. No, mine is a really simple one, actually. And it's uh, a like, you. Uh, like, pardon? Simple like you. Yeah, but <laughs> you're a simple man. Uh, yes, uh, very simple like me. Uh, mine is about, I haven't got a title for it. I genuinely have spent not not just those last two minutes, but yesterday trying to think of a title for it. And I thought, Do you know what? I'll just make a joke about the fact that I haven't got one. Uh, it's about board games, mate. And I think I, I think we spoke in the last one about uh, playing Snakes and Ladders with my daughter, right? Mm. But for her birthday, her fourth birthday in July, we bought uh, Snakes and Ladders and she just loved it, right? And we was around the table loads playing Snakes and Ladders. And then when she started school, like a couple of weeks ago, whatever it was, as a present, I bought her a mousetrap. Oh, 
Mousetrap. Do you remember Mousetrap? Oh, yeah, man. I love Mousetrap. Yeah. So now we've just been playing loads of Mousetrap, right? And so at our good. table in the dining room, it's like, no, you're not allowed the phone at the table, right? Yeah. No devices at the table. So yeah. I don't, it doesn't matter what you're doing at the table. It's just device-free zone. And yeah, like it, it's really stimulating and just brings up loads of good conversation yeah, and definitely. like competitiveness and fun. And so, yeah, I've been... She's a little bit young to start getting into some of the other board games, but it's just like, I want to find more, mate, because I'm just absolutely loving the board games, mate. Ludo's, Genuinely. Ludo's pretty good, quite, you know, for, for a young age. Uh, what one's Ludo? Oh, Ludo's classic, man. I'm not going to spend oh. airwaves telling you about it, but Ludo, yeah, go check that one out. It's a bit like Snakes I, and Ladders, that sort of level. Okay, yeah. Um, and, and Guess Who? Oh, Guess Who, yeah. Is the one Brilliant. I want, want What was your favourite growing up? Oh, look, I used to love Monopoly, but but uh, I know that's an easy op- option. But I did really, I used to really like Monopoly and how I used to proper get into it and how yeah. long it used to take. And that. yeah, I love Monopoly. I quite liked Battleships as well. Do you remember Battleships? Yeah, Battleships. Do you remember? Um, did you ever play? Right, and I asked my wife this and she, and and everyone else and her family, and they didn't know what I was talking about. Do you remember the Gatekeeper? No. It used to come with a video. He used to play oh, it with the video yeah. on. Tales from the Crypt or something like that. Uh, it was I like that, some, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he used to come on the screen and that. And it was like, oh, oh my God, yeah. it's a board game with I a remember, video. I remember, I remember something like that. Do you remember, um, we're going on a bit of a rabbit hole here, but so, so this is the last one. But there used to be this game called Screwball Scramble. Do you ever remember right. that game? It you used to you used, you used to have to basically take a little metal ball on this little obstacle course. And you had these little, it was electronic and you had these little knobs and stuff like that. And... <laughs> I won't make a joke about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. uh, what a good way to end with yeah. Scrooble Scramble and its little knobs. Um, <laughs> mate, it's, I, think it's been, <laughs> I think this has been a really good episode. Um, so I've really enjoyed it. Everyone should go and check us out on uh, Instagram at 115 miles pod. We're, we're, it's growing on there, mate. Well, so. that's not surprised. These are some brilliant conversations <laughs> we have. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Well, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, see you in two. All right. Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kai.